Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, guys, that was not good. I mean, I'm not going to lay it on thick or anything. The Raptors lose 116 to 100. And so the preseason isn't meant for large takeaways, I don't think. It's meant for small takeaways on certain things that are trending upwards or downwards. Or maybe there's warts of your team that are kind of popping up. We saw the warts tonight. We saw them against Boston as well, but we, we saw the warts in this one. And... I think it stems largely from a lack of creation from the Raptors starters. Without Fred Van Vliet, we saw them struggle immensely. With Christian Coco playing a lot of minutes, a lot of the fundamental actions that the Rockets run were more dangerous because Coloco, despite, I think, amassing some some blocks for sure. I think he had four in like three minutes or something when he came to the game. He's very active with his arms messy with his feet and chased a lot of blocks, which opened up like offensive rebounds and like these little lay down passes, all that kind of stuff. He's a growing, you know, he's a kid. He's going to get much better, but the Raptors, they got waxed dude. And uh, it's mostly the fault of the the starters in this one. They couldn't create Scotty Barnes. And this is the thing about small developments, big developments. I don't have a big Scotty Barnes takeaway, only that, the ball is coming to rest in his hands quite a bit. And he had six turnovers in this game. I think he finished with like four assists, two points, 0 of 5 from the field. He's not the type of creator. He's not the type of player, at least in this at this point in his career, and he wasn't last year, who is just going to get into the middle of the floor, get into the paint, and kind of burst past his defender and disrupt the defense, start making plays from there. He is a guy who has to be making the most of every single read that comes his way. And sure, if he gets a smaller player on him, dominate. Try and get into an isolation. If he, if it's just you, score the bucket. If the double comes, make the read. But there's a lot of times where the ball is coming to him and maybe there's an advantage there or something. But the, the processing is it's just not quick. He's letting the ball come to the rest. The defense catches up. And he's not just beating dudes off the dribble and getting into the teeth of the defense. And... Pat, you like OG, I think, had nice plays in this game off ball where it's like he's getting a handoff. Live by a three podcast. Big shout out Curly. He he talked about this on Twitter, but OG looks great off of handoffs. You know, if, if you paid attention to any of my work over the years, it's OG once he gets downhill is very good. 
His his handle may not get him downhill by himself, but if you can run pin downs, handoffs, all kinds of stuff to do that for him, it's good. He looked good there, but OG didn't look good initiating. Gary Trent Jr. didn't look good initiating. Uh, Scotty looked really, really bad initiating. Pascal was a guy, like, he, he put up a lot of shots tonight, 15. He was mostly left out there like, hey, you're the only guy who can really create. He would beat his defender. He would draw a player over. He would he would get the defense's attention, but that's just one dude. And then you look at the team. They shot like 6 of 34 from deep. It's, it's bad. All of that probing, all that kind of stuff, was completely meaningless because when the ball flew out to the perimeter, uh, nothing went in. Pascal was part of the problem for that one too. Like, he's not completely perfect or anything. You know, one of six from three. A couple times he took a possession... The ball came to his hands above the break. He was just getting repping. That's the stuff like, I don't care that Pascal's missing threes because he's getting to the spots he typically wants to get to. I do care that Scotty isn't getting to any dangerous spots on the floor. I do care that OG isn't doing it off the bounce either. That stuff is stuff I want to see happening. And I think by rights, fans should be able to see happening because while preseason and everything, you still have to be able to mark some progression, typically. So that's mostly my worry with the starting five. And all of this was exacerbated by the shooting, of course. Like Gary Trent not hitting anything. OG not hitting anything. When you have a lineup, a starting five of Coloco, Siakam, and Barnes is the other three guys, those two just have to hit threes. The Raptors, they will hemorrhage points if they if they don't hit threes from the guys who are are known to do so. So, yeah, it was sloppy from those guys. Every single one of them, at, you know, at least minus 11 or higher. Everybody else on the team except Wancho, who still looks, man, Wancho having guaranteed contract looks a little bit messy right now, considering how nice guys like Delton Jackson had a quieter game. He, he played 12 minutes in this one, but he, he didn't manage to, to hit a shot or anything like that. It was there was less uh, heavy lifting going on elsewhere, which made Josh Jackson's lack of offensive pop um, kind of a, a spotlight of sorts. Even Doughton, honestly, a guy who he only finished with three points in this game, but he was getting the defense spun up a lot. He, he's getting them in rotation. That's what you want to see because the Rockets were sinking on everything. The pass is going to go out above the break or, or to the corner somewhere. There's just very little to create on the inside because everybody's sinking because they're saying, hey, hit a three or we're going to keep doing this. The Rockets, to their credit, I think played really great defense tonight. It's kind of, you know, what the Jazz and the Raptors, that first preseason game spelled out was that the Jazz were very ill-prepared to be kind of punched in the mouth defensively. And the Raptors were like, hey, let's punch him in the mouth. And the Rockets did a similar thing to the Raptors tonight. The Raptors, I don't know what's going on, but nobody hits a three, even Shooters who have, you know, like very long track records across many NBA seasons not hitting threes. That's just, you know, the, the Rockets, they played great defense to reflect the way that the shots were going for the Raptors. And that's why they won their defense mostly. Because a lot of their offense was from runouts on missed shots. If the Raptors hit more, then we're looking at, you know, a much closer game, especially during the starters aspect of it. But man... Very sloppy stuff from the guys we we typically see do well on the Raptors. The guys who were the lifeblood of the team last year. Why Nick Nurse? You know, he was chasing wins by playing these guys so many minutes. And suddenly the bench, in fact, the deep bench, looks like the best part of this team in these preseason games, which obviously isn't the case, but is a reflection of maybe a little bit deeper camp battle. A guy like Gabe Brown just coming in, 
canning a couple triples. Nice to see. DJ Wilson on a pick and pop hit one. Also nice to see. Ron Harper Jr., um, pretty muted game. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with his two-way. The Raptors have not been super interested in giving him a lot of run. Gabe Brown, if they were going to give, you know, move Ron Harper off of his two-way, Gabe Brown looks like a guy. I, I You know, it's, I don't know. Jeff Doughton already has a two-way. He's he's in that situation. But, and, and like, Josh Jackson is probably not going to do a two-way. He's trying to make an NBA squad. So, things to consider. Precious, I mean, he looked awesome once again. The fluidity off the dribble, very impressive. It's not something that we're seeing replicated by many other players his size. He's getting to the front of the basket. Like, the cool thing about Precious, right, is that, well, the cool and bad thing, when we think about Pascal, that's a guy who's finishing off glass all the time. And he can get to, like, these different aspects of how he scores the ball and what kind of angles he takes against his defender. And Precious is scoring at the front of the rim basically because he's challenging all the help side rotation to jump with him, A. But B, he's just beating his defenders flat out if they come step out, you know, around the perimeter with him. And that means the front of the rim is accessible to him. He doesn't have to dip and duck around the rim. And that speaks to the level of attention he gets, yes, because a guy like Pascal, teams are loading up way more. But it's good to just be able to get to the front of the rim. That's an awesome thing. And he continues to do it. Chris Boucher... This is, they're going to win minutes with him on the floor this year. Excellent cutting. You know, it's, he's going to play good defense. Chris Boucher, I think, is such a known quantity at this point. He's a good NBA player. And I, I don't think that could be called into question whatsoever. Delano. Okay, so Delano just continues to be a wizard in transition. It's, it does seem to me like teams are a little less engaged uh, when he's on ball. But who the hell cares, man, honestly? Like, I need I need to take these glasses off, the opposite of rose-colored glasses, because I've I've been waiting for more half-court creation from Delano. But if he's just a guy who's gonna jump in and suddenly the team is playing odd transition, and what he plays like he played 20 minutes in this game, but he goes six for eight from the floor, couple offensive rebounds. What else what else could you want? He and he also hit like a snatchback midi against a guy who was kind of sinking into the defense. He's punishing teams for giving him space in some regards. And and it's not necessarily with the jumper, but it's just attacking that space intelligently. And that's really nice to see. Uh, honestly, and and pretty quick reads too. Like there's some get action he's running where he's it, it allows him to, you know, turn the corner on some guys and that kind of stuff. And he's kind of, he's reframing how his point of attack defender has to engage him. And that's really clever stuff. This, when you don't have a jump shot, DeMar DeRozan, you know, fans, we've watched him forever, right? You're very aware of what it looked like for a guy without a three-point shot to try and bring the terms of engagement of the pick and roll and screening actions to different parts of the court and try and get the the defender to kind of forget like, oh yeah, I can sink and to eventually get him to step over. Just rescreen, rescreen, find those options. And Delano, to his credit, he's making he's making like reads and he's he's doing a pretty damn good job. But man, the, the final thing I would say about this is that the Rockets are really great. Like guys like Jay Sean Tate, Kenyon Martin Jr., Bruno Fernando, you know, it's like Tari Eason, Garuba, even like Favors, man. There's there's the flashy guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, all wax poetic until the cows come home. Those guys are so much fun to watch. They do so many things. But the Rockets, they they've assembled some guys, and you know, guys with a trademark. 
they play really hard defense. They like they they had really great dig downs on dudes. When they rotate over, it's meaningful. It's not toothless. Like that rotation means something. They're gonna try and strip you. They're gonna try and run out. And they're gonna be really pesky at the point of attack. They were great defensively. And they had all the like, yes, they ran out in transition. That's what they want to do. But guys like Tari Eason, you know, cash a couple threes, get on the offensive glass, force the other team to foul you, be in dangerous positions. That's awesome. Jalen Green hit some absurd threes tonight. They have the offensive talent to be like this really electric team, but it was really cool to see a team like that buckle down defensively. That was kind of what I was watching for. And yeah, but the, the big takeaway is obviously that a lot of the themes of the preseason so far were once again seen tonight. I, I'm not sure I've seen anything that I was like, this is new. Precious is still extremely interesting off the dribble. Pascal is still getting to the spots he wants to on the floor. OG and Scotty are still struggling to create as, as initiators. And, and even Scotty, especially when the ball swings to him, is less creative than he should be and is not really making any decisions or plays that pop. In transition, that's still going to be there for him, of course. But we're looking for something there. Um, Gary, I feel like, is a known quantity. I'm not sure what improvements in his game are coming. Um, but he, yeah, we'll see what happens with Gary. He shoots the ball good. He shoots the ball bad. We'll see where the in-between stuff goes. But, yeah, and, and Delano's been awesome. Delano deserves a lot of credit. And, once again, a game where I think the most compelling stuff was the deep bench. The Jeff Doughton, the Gabe Brown, Jackson, even Kem Birch, you know, Kem had another, you know, dribble drive from above the break where he scored a basket, which is incredible to me. Just absolutely bewildering. But yeah, that's mostly it. I'm going to give the Reggie Evans Award to Mr. Delano Banton. It, it's hard to it's hard to work your way into the dangerous spots on the floor when this kind of stuff happens, when teams are trying to sink on you. It takes tireless work to kind of move guys without having a jump shot. You just have to be in motion all the time. That plus, you know, he he gives a crap on defense. And uh, that's really nice to see. Like, there was, there was a couple times, <laughs> there was a couple times that, like, he was starting behind the play but recovered to a guy and managed to stonewall drive. And that that is a wonderful thing. You know, it's, I, I love seeing guys do that, especially against this, this Raptors defense because the Raptors defense gives up a lot and then it asks that rotation to stop it. And at the very least, Delano seems to have that handled. So very nice to see. Uh, the top quick reaction comment is from Brick for Vic. Now, finally, people can back off from Scotty. It will take him two, three years to be what he is. Um, the, so if anybody listens to my podcast, I think you probably would have picked up that, you know, I, I can't remember which episode I said it on, but it's that Scotty has done a lot and has progressed a lot at the NBA level, but none of what he has done currently dictates that he can carry an offense. You know what I mean? Like an isolation where other players on the floor are considered more dangerous, like Pascal and Fred getting doubled near the top of the league, means that Scotty will have more room to operate. But that doesn't mean he can run an offense from that position. The transition genius that he obviously has that that doesn't mean half-court stuff. And last year, as I critiqued many times, his reads against the second level of the defense as a passer seemed to be lagging behind. And and he can't just straight up beat dudes off the dribble. His pick-and-roll craft is it needs to improve. He's a young guy. 
he needs like he needs so much time and so much work to get to a level where he's commanding an offense and a defense is respecting what type of manipulation he's trying to, you know, walk out there. It's very hard to make that jump, especially as a wing to be like the guy who pushes offense and drives it, which is why I thought that Pascal Siakam by this fan base, by the NBA at large, by NBA media was underrated because he's doing basically the most difficult thing there is. And that's as a wing to initiate offense and make good reads. And, you know, it's tough. I, I by no means do I think Scotty won't get there. Scotty will get there in some capacity, I'm sure. But he's got work ahead. So uh, brick for Vic, you're absolutely you're correct. Scotty has work to do to get to the the place where he needs to be, where the Raptors need him to be. So thanks for writing in, dude. Uh, I appreciate it very much, listener. Uh, thanks for tuning in with me. Make sure to go to RaptorsPublic.com. Subscribe if you like the work there. Uh, it will greatly affect your ability to read my work this season. So, um, yeah, please make sure to subscribe over there. I think it's worth the money. So uh, hopefully you agree. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.